0: How many of you all love to read the Old Testament? I <laughs> do. Especially all those begots and the law and everything that goes on. Or, or do you, like me, sometimes when you're reading the Old Testament, you're, you're quick. You're, you're doing speed reading. <laughs> uh? You're doing speed reading. Well, I was speed reading through the Old Testament the other day, and suddenly, Pow! the word jumped out at me, and I saw something, and I was, I was amazed. And it took me down so many trails. Anyway, Exodus 24.1. This is the ratification of the Mosaic Covenant. Moses, now if you read in Exodus, you'll find that Moses, God's been speaking to Moses, and he's been giving Moses all these Rules and regulations he's been telling them how the priests are to dress what they're supposed to wear you know how they're supposed to go in and do this what kind of incense they're supposed to burn or what the people are supposed to do uh, they're supposed to turn left instead of right and the list goes on and on and on and on as I was reading through the Old Testament I thought boy isn't it wonderful that we got Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that I don't have to do that. And you find that, you know, and, and God tells me, he says, and what you do is, you you know, you want to put these little tassels on the, you know, on the priest because this will remind you here and you're supposed to write it over here and write it over there so that you're reminded. Well, the book of the covenant, boy, you, you better have it sewn somewhere and you better have it someplace because try to remember all that stuff is, it's a lot. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, maybe you should write a few things down. And I thought, yes, Lord, you've spoke to me many times, and a lot of things I have forgotten about what you have said. Anyway, let's read this scripture. Israel accepts the Lord's covenant. The Lord instructed Moses, first of all, he says, come here to me. God calls us up. You know, God doesn't come down. We say, well, you know, God finds you where you're at. That's right. He does find you where you're at, but God calls you up, out. He calls you up to him. He says, come up to me and bring along Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the Israel elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. And Moses went down to the people, and he repeated all the instructions and the regulations of the, that the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Have we ever said that? Said, Lord, we're going to obey you. We're going to do what they said. We're going to do. Now, when Moses, when he's given all this information to them, about the, the covenant, the book of the covenant, and they say, yeah, we're we'll do Now, this isn't a 15-minute thing, what he's reading. There's a lot here. And I'm wondering if they said, well, we're going to do whatever the Lord says to do, only so he wouldn't read that again. because it got lost. So Moses carefully, he wrote down all the Lord's instructions, and early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up twelve pillars, one on each, uh, for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent uh, some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and sacrifice bulls of peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from these animals into the basins, and the other half he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, and what'd he do? He read it again. Oh, don't. Don't read the book again. Can you imagine? Some people say, don't. Oh, no, he's not going to read that book again, is he? He read the book of the covenant again. He read it aloud, and again they all responded, we will do everything that the Lord has commanded. We will obey. We will obey. So maybe we should write a few things down to remember Moses took the blood from the basin and splattered over the people, declaring, Look, the blood confirms the covenant that the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. And Moses, Aaron, Abad, Abidehu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. And what happened? There they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be surface of brilliant blue lapez and lazulu, whatever this is, some... Stone as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. I'm going to tell you, I was amazed when I read that. Now, maybe, how many of y'all have ever heard, read that before and caught that about them seeing? It said, they saw God and they ate a covenant meal in his presence presence now all I could think when I saw this, I said, well I thought you know if you saw God you died and the only one I saw was Moses when, when he hit him in the cleft of the cliff and he put his hand over there and he says I'll, I'll show you my glory because Moses said I want to see your glory he said I'll show you my glory but you can't uh, you're just going to see me from behind but yet here are these people not only seeing God but eating a covenant meal with him what a meal that's going to be. My mind reeled and I thought, where, how, how is that? Where is that? Go, where is, what about the covenant meal? What about the meal with Christ? What about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Yes, is, this, is this any indication of what this covenant meal, being in the presence of the Lord and the presence of God in the future? What a glorious time it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Past the potatoes? I don't know. But they saw, but, and they weren't destroyed. Now, it says they looked up, actually, the only description that we hear from these people right here is his feet. <laughs> You've got to understand God was above, called them up. They were up there to worship, and they were ratifying the Mosaic covenant, and they ate the covenant meal right there. How do they ratify the covenant? What, how did they ratify the Mosaic covenant? Well, there was the confession, wasn't there? We will do whatever God says for us to do. Antonio opened the service and he says, we, we, he, and making bluntly the statement, you have to die to live. Will we give up ourselves? And I, and I thought as he was saying that, I thought, well, how hard is that sometimes? I don't know about you, but when I came to the place of surrender and when I received Christ as my Savior, I thought, well, what am I giving up? I'm giving up this brokenness, this, this life that I question what the meaning is and it just there's no joy or peace in it. What am I giving up for the joy unspeakable for the things of the kingdom of God? Well, this ratification of the covenant is a confession saying that we will do whatever he said. And it continues with, of course, the sacrifices and all the commands that the children of Israel had. They did that. Now, you've got to understand that they were camped at the base of Mount Sinai for quite some time, the whole tribe of Israel. The people were camped down there at that base of Sinai. In fact, I wonder even what the elders were thinking because it had already come out, the decree that says, listen, you, don't, you better not even touch that mountain. And they had to put up barriers I wonder how they put up barriers. And I suddenly, got this, I suddenly got this vision of one of your children where you say, don't touch that. Huh? Yeah. You know what I mean? They kind of look around, you know, I've got to go touch it. Where, where does the, oh, well, does the mountain begin here? Or, no, the mountain begins there. I can touch that rock. They put up barriers. But yet God called them up. God called Moses and he says, bring them up. Bring up the 70 elders because they were going to minister the covenant to the people. That was another thing. Now, I'm throwing little bits and pieces out here, because what I would like for you to do is I want this to spark your interest, and I want you to get into this word right here in Exodus and see the beginning of this covenant and the ratification of the covenant. And then how does that relate to the covenant that we have? What does that speak to us? So I wonder when the 70 elders now, they're going to proclaim the book of the covenant and teach the people of Israel. But I also got to thinking, wasn't there a time? Wasn't there a time when God called to all of them? And what was the answer he got? We don't want to hear his voice. We don't want to hear his voice. You talk to him and you be our intermediate with him. So to ratify, here you find that the ratification of the Old Testament or the Mosaic uh, uh, law was at this time. In the beginning, it's a, it's, a, it's a great passage right there at the very beginning. So the new covenant is like the old and it's got to be ratified in order for the benefits to be obtained. We think of Jesus. Sometimes we think of Jesus when we receive Jesus. And I come under conviction because a lot of times I I think when I was reading these scriptures and studying this, I thought, you know, sometimes I, I present Jesus in a wrong way as if, you know, you're going around a carousel and you reach out and you get the little golden ring that allows you to keep riding, you know. And you say, "I got the golden ring. I got Jesus. Now I can just keep riding in the world. I can keep doing my thing. I got Jesus. You know what I mean? Like it's this little golden ring, this, this prize that you know all of a sudden allows us to do. But remember that God. You know, God doesn't call. You know, God. You know, we don't do. Um, God doesn't come to us so we can have Him in, for our purposes, right?" God calls us out for His purposes. And the people of Israel there in Exodus, they did not, they did not lightly accept this covenant. And they knew the conditions of the covenant that was spoken to them over and over and over and over. Moses read this. The ratification of the covenant is a solemn event and one which requires definite decision. Do we ask for a decision? Were we asked for a decision when Christ came into our life? We were, weren't we? We were asked to decide. As the children of Israel said, well, whatever God says, I'll do. (laughs) And a lot of times we, we say that, don't we? We say, okay, God, I'm, I'm in for that. But the ratification of the new covenant is just like the old. We have to decide. We have to make a decision for Christ. Now, Paul writes of this in Romans 8. And I, I, I can't tell you, I use this all the time. I did youth ranch anywhere I'm ministering to the lost. But this is the ratification Paul speaks of in Romans 10, 8 through 10. He says, What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in what salvation Salvation. now i know you read in your bible so if you believe but the word says here that confession is made unto salvation why is confession made unto salvation we read about the our words and what we speak the word says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so it's not enough. I've, now, I know you have too. I know you've heard every line, everything. Well, my, my uh, relationship with God is very personal or private, you know. And uh, I believe, I believe, I believe in God. Yes, but the demons believe also. Have you ratified your covenant with Jesus Christ? And you say, "Well, I believe, but you don't understand all the things that happened to me." Well, you may believe, but maybe you have never received Him as Christ. Maybe you've never ratified your covenant with Him. I think of my own salvation when I first got saved. I was, uh, in fact, we we had went up to a baptism service because I just recently received Christ. I received Christ in my home. I sat there and I said, Lord, I believe in you and I receive you. Christ as my Savior. When the minister asked me when I received Christ, before he was going to put me in that water for water baptism, I said, uh, uh, back uh, yada, 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 a couple days ago or whatever, you know what I'm saying? When I came out of that water, the Holy Spirit hit me and I don't think my feet touched the ground for three days. Why is that? Why is that? Because you see that was a public proclamation. Right then, even though I received Christ I said it in there, but I had never made a public proclamation that to ratify the covenant that God had given me. Had I not ever done that, had I not ever went to be baptized in water, had I never Yet got up in front of a group of people which you know when you're not saved and you're not used to being in church all church people are strange (laughs) right so i was definitely out of my element then but i was there for a purpose for a reason that the spirit drew me there okay so i never ratified i think of some people that say well my my relationship with christ is private is it? Is it that private? Well, it's so private that how do you know that you're really saved? Mm-hmm. Have you confessed Jesus Christ? Do you speak of Him? Maybe you're having problems because you can't access the promises of God because you've never ratified, you've never confessed Him as Lord, of, Lord and King, Savior in your life. Mm-hmm. Huh? We have to make sure when we present the gospel, I hate it when I try to present the gospel to someone in a uh, what I' want to say a Yeah, word come in a, in a way that's pleasing to men. that would be acceptable to men. First of all, we have to know and realize that when we present the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody, that we're either planting or watering, we're sowing into the kingdom of God. No one comes to him, the word says, but lest he be drawn by the spirit of God. We cannot save anybody. They must be drawn by the Spirit of God. And if indeed they are drawn by the Spirit of God and we present Christ in a manner that, listen, you've got, well, what must I do? You've got to die. You know, at the day of Pentecost, when they all asked Peter, they were all out there, the Peter, been man full of the Holy Spirit, just been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was out there preaching to those thousands of people. And finally, when he was done, they said, Men and brethren, what must we do? He says, You must repent and be baptized. You must make a profession in a, of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How big is that confession or that profession of faith? If you have ever made a profession of faith, you don't need to ask that question. You know how big it is. I can remember in just a couple instances. I remember years ago when I first got saved. I, I, must, I think I was 27 years old. I was working with a carpenter, and that carpenter was probably the age that I am now. He was an old guy. <laughs> And the conversation had to be about, we were talking about church or about Jesus or something. All I remember is he was up on the scaffolding and I was standing down. I was cutting a board for him or whatever. And out of my mouth, I don't even remember what the conversation was. Out of my mouth says, all I know is that Jesus is Lord. And when I said that, I almost had to take a break because the Holy Spirit coursing through my body. I could not get back on that scaffolding until he was done with me. And I know that old man looked at me like, good God. (laughs) But it was fabulous. Why was it fabulous? Because I opened my mouth and confessed Jesus as my Lord. One time there was a group of us um, we went to the um, Florida Sheriff's Youth Ranch up in Bartow. We traveled up there. David, I, but you, were you with us, David, up to that trip? Glenn was. Glenn was there, and, and some of the band that he used to play with was there. Antonio was there. Were you there with us that time? Okay, I think maybe you were. But anyway, there, it was a big church, a big, beautiful uh, church there at, the, at those facilities. And I asked the question, I said, who, has, who will confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in this congregation? Who will do it? Who will stand up and make a proclamation for Jesus Christ? And it was all kind of silent. The Holy Spirit was prompting me to do that and i stood and i waited and i stood and i waited and pretty soon someone jumped up and said jesus is my lord and then somebody else jumped up and two or three people jumped up and some people jumped up in the back and they started jumping up and popping up and say jesus christ is lord and i'm going to tell you when they did it was like a flow of the spirit moved from the back of that building david you remember were you there Were you there? Well, you're saying, yeah, because you know the Holy Spirit flowed from the back of that building all the way forward. It was like a big wave of the Spirit as people stood up and ratified the covenant that they knew and said that Jesus Christ is Lord and made a public proclamation for Christ. I know it didn't fall on deaf ears. Not everybody in there was probably saved, but nevertheless, it was God's will. So Paul spells it out. It's a solemn. We don't. We don't necessarily say this anymore. We sometimes we present Christ as, oh, you know, you got problems. I, you know, I, I, I got a, here. I gotta get out of jail free card for you. You know, his, his name's Jesus. He can really help you. You know, oh, he's blessed me, and I, I've said it before, he's blessed me with this and blessed me with that and everything else, but. Uh, Uh, Those blessings that God has given me that are material blessings that people see, that is nothing. That is nothing, as Paul says, for the excellency of the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, is it? It's nothing. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to experience the hand of God in your life. Why do people get saved and, and suddenly they fall away from church? You ever hear people say, Well, you know, gee, you know, I go to that church, but I got to find another church. I heard a, a, a nice little saying for that. It says, Well, why would you need to find another church to stay home from? <laughs> you know, you can stay home from that church. We need to instill and minister the greatness, the wonderful gift of the covenant that God has given us, and the freedom of the Spirit. What has God done? What has He done for you? Well, He's opened up to me, I know. He's opened up to me a door to the throne of grace. Huh? The throne of grace. I can come boldly. Now, under the the Old Testament, didn't have that. I can directly go before God. A personal relationship. How many of y'all think that's better? Amen. The new covenant, better. Amen. It's better. It's better. I can have a personal relationship. I'll not be the one to stand back and say, oh, no, well, no, I'll, I'll let the preacher take care of that. I'll let the preacher then uh, study the word of God and I'll listen. That doesn't work, does It doesn't work. Paul said, the word, the word should be near in you. And there's people who say that. There's people who say, well, I, I know, I, I believe in Jesus. I know him, but, or this is another one. This is a good one, right? It says, well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Oh, nice. huh? How many people hear that? You hear that? Well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Well, yeah, true. I mean, you know, all you need, you need Jesus. You need to confess Jesus Christ. But who are you going to confess Jesus to? Who's going to listen to you? Where is your profession made? Those people who say you don't have to go to church to be saved, I guarantee you this, they're not out there proclaiming and telling their neighbors and their family members that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and the word of God says go in go in do not forsake gathering yourself together that you might be stirred up that you might be provoked says gather yourself provoking one another unto good works sure about that word provoke but but nevertheless you get the point right what, what makes you want to serve God stirs you up to serve God? I'll tell you. I can't hardly stand it when somebody else is being blessed more than I am. <laughs> it stirs me up. When I see someone moving in the Holy Spirit, it's just like when Peter came out and Peter walked, you know, down those streets in the very shadow of it, you know, healed the lame, just the shadow passing over them. And then people proclaimed at a time, they said, well, this Peter, they, they believed, they knew that he'd been with Jesus. When you minister the word of God, when you're standing in the anointing and you're ministering to someone and you are ministering the anointed word of God, ministering to their needs. What, what does the word say? What are they thinking? Well, the one place the word says, well, they'll, they'll want to know your reason for rejoicing, right? Now, there's nothing that will kill that faster than going in there and complaining to somebody. Amen. So that covenant needs to be ratified. I can tell you uh, through when we go to the juvenile detention center, sometimes we do all we, we want to do everything that we can possibly do. We want to, oh well, let's don't, let's, let's get in there, let's don't let's try not to make them mad or irritate them. Let's kind of smooth them into the kingdom of God. I don't know of anybody that's ever been smoothed into the kingdom of God. The flesh always goes kicking and screaming, always, and it's a decision. So, in fact, it's counterproductive for what God is doing because if we do that, someone who has sowed the seed or watered, and we go in there and give a false premise of what it is who Jesus is to them, and then, well, don't worry, just you know everything will be all right. Just you know, just accept Jesus and. Everything's going to be fine. You know, make it kind of on the downside. You don't have to give up anything. You got to give it all up. Now, that's hard to swallow. But that's what the Lord says. Says, if you do not, those who you love, if you don't, hate your mother, your brother, your children, those in your family, those... If you do not, as it were, hate, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus has to be number one. Sometimes we always equate that if Jesus, if that's the statement to me and I give this up over here, God will let me down. That's a false narrative, isn't it? Because we sometimes judge God as if He is like us in the flesh. <laughs> and we equate that. And of course, that's not Jesus is something. Okay, the New Covenant. It's like the old. It must be communicated clearly that men can make a choice based on adequately understanding the commitment required. They must understand the commitment required. What is the commitment? I'm offering you Jesus Christ, Lord of Lord and King of kings. He paid a price for you. He paid a price to redeem you of your sins, to give you eternal life, that you would be with him forever. Now, uh, some people might say that they don't know God. and say, well, why do I want to be with him? Well, let me tell you about the alternative, okay? Jesus spoke a lot about hell, didn't he? Let me tell you about the alternative. It's not good. There was an instance of um, Paul giving correction to the church, and what had happened is this, uh, this man had taken his father's wife, and uh, he, and of course they were. He was in church, and everybody said yeah, yeah, that's okay, you know, yada yada yada. And he, Paul writes to him, and he says, "This is not to be so. Put them out of the church. Put him out of the church. So why? So that the enemy, so that the devil can have his way with them. So in the end, they'll be saved. And that's exactly what they did. And of course, there's." In the Word of God down the road, it shows that that, man, that young man was restored to them concerning that issue. How, how do we accept, or why do we accept, or make conditions of accepting that which is wrong? Now, I'm not talking about judging somebody. It's not our place to judge. But it is our place to judge rightly whether there's right or wrong going on in the body of Christ, isn't it? Yeah. And then what do we do? It says the truth will set you free, Right? The truth will set you free. We cannot be afraid to speak of the truth. So they have to understand, evangelism is the task of communicating the gospel, the good news that the new covenant has been achieved by God himself in the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. The way the gospel is conveyed today, though, it doesn't, it's not always like that, is it? Sometimes it's, it's a little smoothed over political correctness, that's what I was trying to think of. You'd think I would know that by heart, wouldn't you, the way <laughs> we try to be politically correct. We think if we can just get them, if we can just get them to a service. Uh, <laughs> if we can just get them to read the Bible a little bit, if we can just get them to do this, to do that, it's either a planting it's either a sowing, a planting, or a watering. God gives the increase. When God, ge- when God draws of His Spirit and God gives the increase and the truth is well, there is there is something that happens in the heart. All of you have been saved for very long here. Something happened. Something happened in your life. Jesus became real in your life. You accepted the terms of the covenant. You ratified the terms of the covenant. And you speak of Him. And you try your best to walk in what God speaks It tells you to do, right? When you read this word, you go, oh, yep, that's good, that's good, that's good. Ooh, ow, ah, ooh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I really should be doing something about that. And if you like me, like I said, where the Holy Spirit says, write that down. Write that down so you don't forget it. Why should I write it down? Well, I'm thinking God might forget (laughs) about it. Huh? No. No, he doesn't forget about it, does he? Well, why should I write it down, and why should I remember it? Because, oh, I don't want to do that. Of course you don't want to do that. Write it down and speak about it every day to the Lord. Lord, you've delivered me from this. Greater is you that is in me than he that is in the world, and I have victory over this in my flesh. This will not hinder me, and I will not become dead works because of this situation in my life. You died. You shed your blood for me, and you have given me victory over this. Right? God doesn't call the qualified. What? He qualifies the called. Doesn't He? He qualifies the called. I've been called by the Spirit of God. I've been called out of darkness under the marvelous light that Jesus Christ has shed His blood on Calvary and He redeemed me. I don't know about you, but He has redeemed me. And what He's called me to is to walk in the truth of the Gospel that in Christ Jesus is salvation. And the, proc- the receiving to believe is righteousness and to confess is salvation. Make a decision. Own it. Walk in it. God will give you power over everything yeah. in your life. Why should I fear this over here or worry about this over here? Gosh, you know, gee, I hope they don't find out about that in my life. <laughs> right? A little hidden secrets here there, or there, you know. Watch this on TV, or I do that, or whatever, whatever. The Holy Spirit convictions. Then let it get put it under the blood, put it up there, and let God give you victory over it. But if you hide it away, how are you going to get victory over it? If you don't call it for what it is, how are you going to get victory over that in your life? So we see there's a lot of merchandising in the gospel. And the truth isn't there. So we've got to make it precise. We have to let people know what, what it is that God is real. Now you need to seek Him. If you're not receiving Christ as your Savior, that's another thing. We go, we do this. Ah I've done it. We we do it. We go, we all close our eyes. There we go, and if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, you want to raise your hand. And we see and we pray. We pray for those people. But raising your hand is not going to save you. The Word of God is very specific. It says you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. Well, I don't know if I believe. That is all right. Do you know you can make a decision to believe? Huh? What is that belief that you don't believe? That belief is something that you're intending and trying to make sense of through the natural senses and the natural mind that says, well, I don't know if I believe, but God is a spirit. Huh? And the Holy Spirit deals with us, so we've got, that's one of the things, that's what we're dying to, isn't it? The natural that we're casting aside. So, you know, I don't see it in the natural, but I'm not going to see it in the natural. When people, and the kids, a lot of people say, well, you know, I've tried reading the Bible and I don't understand it. I says, because it's a spiritual book. It's a spiritual book, and you're trying to understand it with the natural mind, and it can't be done. You will not get the full implications of that book with the natural mind. Will you see Jesus? Will He reveal Jesus? Yes, He will, but you're not going to understand the Bible. You need to pray, even if you don't know the Lord. When you read this and say, Lord, I don't know you. I do not know you, but I want to know you if you're real. If you are a real, Lord, show me in your word. Mm-hmm. Do you think God would honor that prayer? Amen. Oh, yeah. Yes, he will. God leaps out of the pages. He leaps out of that word and into the heart. So, all right, the last point. The new covenant requires not only commitment and communication, but commemoration. You know what that commemoration is? I think, to commemorate. Remember we were talking about the Supper? The Lord was about to go to the cross and he shared a covenant meal with His disciples and institute a commemoration of the new covenant which the church was commanded to keep, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Now, as just as profession of Jesus Christ, out of our mouth can stir us up in a proclamation of the ratification that we've, that we've done, that we've confessed, a reminder, a, a uh, reminder to, especially to the attack of the enemy, right? When the enemy's trying to say, well, you know, you're sicker, this is going wrong, that's going, hey, I'm a child, I, I'm a child of God, Satan, get behind me, I'm saved, Jesus is my Lord, and his promises says this, and thus, Failure to commemorate the new covenant or doing it in an appropriate way was a matter of serious consequences. Doesn't it say that those who come to the table are unworthy? It's a serious business. It's a commemoration. Of what? Of the covenant that God has given. It's in remembrance. He says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is broken for you. This is the cup of the blood of the New Testament huh? Do this in remembrance of me. It's a, it's a commemoration, like that book, that ratification of that law or that book of that covenant being spoken of. So we remember the Lord in those instances. We remember and we commemorate, remember what he did for us, how he died on the cross and shed his blood. And we do it because we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior. We make decisions, now, the Word of God says that it's impossible to please Him without faith, right? So we make decisions based on our beliefs. When we make a decision based on our beliefs, we call it faith. I read, in, I believe it was the first chapter of Joshua, don't hold me to it, but... I remember when, first of all, when I was reading, the words jumped out. Already. It says, "Where the children of Israel they all came to the river Jordan and they camped at the edge." And I thought, "Boy, there, there I am. Where, there I am at the edge. I'm supposed to go over, but have I gone over?" There's always a river in front of us all the time. Always something that we need to take possession of and go over and there they are what was the command what was going to transpire what was going to transpire is the Lord told Mo, uh, Joshua no Moses he says listen he said when uh, they're going to take that ark of that covenant now the ark of the covenant was made out of wood but that wasn't all it was made out of was it? says it was overlaid with a lot of wood. It had, it had two big, st- I don't know how big the stones were that God wrote the Ten Commandments on, but it had the Book of the Covenant, it had the stones in there. It had uh, uh, Aaron's rod, I guess, at that time. But anyway, that, you know, that was carried by people. That was a heavy dude. Uh, just because the core of it was wood, I don't think it floated. Huh? Probably had so much gold on it, I don't think it would have floated. But anyway, the word is given to them. He says, listen, he says, you go, now this is the covenant. You're going to go across the river. He says, get the priests. They're going to carry the covenant, and the, or the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to go in. And he says, uh, he says, when you step in the water, when you step in the water, the river backs up. And that which is below goes down, and that which is above backs up. I don't know who was upstream, but you know there was a little flooding going on up there. You know. so, so I thought, well, you know, here's the thing. We're to step out, right? God calls us to step Well, why didn't God say, okay, well, now, I don't want you to get your feet wet. He says, I want you to, you know, I'll part the water. He says, no, when you step in, when you go. God never shows up until you go. God doesn't show up until you step out. But all during the ratification of that covenant, all during that time, God kept saying, he said to Joshua and he said to all the others, he says, do not be afraid. Do not worry. Don't be afraid. God's given you the land. God's given you the inhabitants of the land. Do not fear. Be brave. Know that God is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Etc. cetera, et cetera. On and on and on. He kept saying, do not be afraid. Had to instill that in him. Said when those priests stepped into that water, When they stepped into that water, it parted. And and I'm always amazed, too. It wasn't wasn't just God shut off the water, but he says they went across on dry ground. Have you ever tried walking across a wet uh, riverbed? Get your feet all muddy. But it's a stepping out of faith. So how then do we receive Christ. How do we ratify that covenant and receive Christ? Well, I don't know if I believe. We step into it. We make a decision to believe. Lord, I receive you. I believe that you are Lord of lords and king of kings. And we step out there. I would ask you this. How many of you all know more about Christ now and what he's done for you than the day you got saved? (laughs) Uh Aha! And every day you learn a little bit more about how great he was and what it really has meant, what he's done because we've started to walk with him. In closing, I would tell you this, that do not make cut short the covenant, the new covenant, as wonderful it is, and the grace that God has given us through the blood of Christ and what he's done for us, and the things that we no longer have to adhere to under the old covenant. The old law, much greater. And as the word says, you know, that these, the blood of rams and goats and all these things could not do what the blood of Christ has done for us. But God has redeemed us. But nevertheless, it's a decision and it's something that should not be taken lightly. And we need to instill that on people. Why? Because we're asking them to take something of value we're not, asking, we're not giving them a ticket to a movie. We're asking them to take something of great price to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Nick, was. he's been uh, in the light wash path and all. He's been talking about the, the field and the pearl of great price and such. We're asking them to, to possess something great. It is valuable beyond measure. Nothing else compares to it. So it should be taken seriously. And if it is, then the Holy Spirit shows up. They are established in the kingdom of God, and the enemy will not shake them down. Amen? Amen. Because they know who God is. Praise God. Close your Bible and stand with me.